Uh, before we get into the word, my, my name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor. If you're if you've only been here for two weeks, you don't know who I am because I've been gone. Uh, but I'm back. And before we get into the the sermon, uh, I would love it if we we could stand together. We've had a suicide at one of our high schools at North Atlanta, and uh, Trinity, um, like Addie said, we uh, we don't want to just be a self-contained unit. We want to exist for this city, and uh, part of existing for this city is to care for our kids. And a young man who's a, a junior there uh, took his life last week, and there's a lot of pain at North Atlanta, just down the road from here, and so I'd like for us to pray for God's kingdom to come, for his presence uh, to be with the family, uh, but also the, the the students who are here at Trinity who are going to be there uh, this week. So let's pray. Father, we ask for your kingdom to come into dark places. Lord, we just sang the words to a song that reminds us that there's no story so dark that you can't enter into it, that you aren't working and can't work. And so we ask you today for the family of this Young man, we ask you to be close to them, Lord, whether they know you or not. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that you care for them. And so we ask for you to come close to them. We also pray, God, that you would enter into uh, the hearts and the conversations of the students at North Atlanta and Grady and all the surrounding high schools that are feeling the ripple effects of this sudden and tragic loss. God, I pray that you would also burden us. Uh, to care about our kids. Uh, to ask questions about what's going on in the hearts and minds of our kids. The kids in this community. We ask Holy Spirit that you would come. And that you would do work in this place of darkness and pain now. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I would ask that you would pray for the community at North Atlanta. It's a big high school just down the road from where we are. Uh, and many of our kids are part of that school and will be entering into some very difficult conversations in the days ahead. Our youngest son uh, attends Grady and uh, the, the overlap between North Atlanta and Grady, uh, they play each other in sports, they're uh, rivals and yet um, this past week the community at Grady High School has just been rocked by this death at North Atlanta. Um, God have mercy on us, God have mercy on our kids. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Timothy 2. I've been away for two weeks, two two Sundays, uh, and spent time in England uh, coaching and training doctoral students. I'm really excited about this next year. It looks like I'm going to be leading a doctoral program at Asbury Seminary. That doesn't, I'm not going to quit this job. It's sort of a job on top of a job. And was there in the United Kingdom uh, coaching and teaching doctoral students uh, from all over the world who are gathering to um, study church planting in in England, in London, and all the way up uh, into York, into the North Country. And so uh, my body is tired, but my heart is really full. It's a, a real beautiful time in God. I'm going to read, we're going to read 15 verses, uh, more than we normally do, from Second Timothy. And then we're going to pray, and then we're going to try to hear and see what we can hear and see. Paul says this to Timothy, his son. You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisted officer. 
And in the case of an athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. It is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with them, we will also live with them. If we endure, we will also reign with them. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words which does no good, but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. This is the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the word of God that comes to us to teach us. We thank you today that in these 15 verses, there is so much, maybe too much for us to wrap our hearts and heads around. Lord, even Paul, the author here, says we need to go back and think about these things so that we receive understanding. God, there's a lot here. And Lord, while we can't grab it all, we ask, Lord, that for each one of us, that you would illumine to us that which you want us to wrestle with, that which you want us to consider. And that might be different from the thing the person sitting next to us gets. So, Lord, give us all something to hold on to. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for Timothy. Bless us now as we sit and consider these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first movement in this passage, Paul exhorts Timothy, his son in the Lord. He says to him, be strong in the grace of God. And it just warrants us stopping and asking the question, how how is it that we might grow strong? Is just saying that you're a Christian, is that enough? Is turning up to, to church or hanging around other Christians occasionally, is that enough to make us strong? What Paul says here, I think, is really important. He links our growing strong to receiving truth and then turning around and giving that truth to other people. Paul here paints a picture to Timothy that I think has an analogy for us. And it's this, if you want to be one who is strong, and I'm going to tell you, we all want to be strong. Because it's the strength of being anchored that keeps us rooted when all hell breaks loose around us. And a lot of us come into a space like this and we find ourselves rocked by circumstances. We find ourselves so rocked by circumstances that we even maybe struggle to sing the words that we sang in worship today about the goodness of God. We think, well, how could God be good if something horrible happens down the street or in the world or in our government? And the truth of the matter is, at a time of remarkable uncertainty and pain and pending persecution, Paul said to Timothy, be strong in the grace of God. And the way that Paul tells Timothy, he links his growing strength, not just to some magic bean that he swallows. He says, you will be strong when you receive truth. And then when you turn around, no matter how tender you feel and begin to give truth away. 
If we don't have truth flowing into us and out of us, if we're not in that kind of life on life reality, if we become stagnated or think we just need to receive and never give, we become like swamps. We get stagnated, we get stuck, stale. And Paul here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, says it is the desire of God that you all would be strong in the grace of God. And to be strong, you must receive in intentional ways. And then you've got to give it away. And so I just want to ask you this question. Where do you receive? And to whom are you giving away? One of the challenges that we have is that today we tend to create kind of boutique religions. We pick and choose what we'll receive. We pick and choose who our teachers are. And we even filter what they say to us. And we do this with the Bible. Increasingly we think, well, I don't like that bit. I'll, I'll take that bit. I'm not sure about that bit. This one I like. And we do that with our friends and our trusted others. And I believe that one of the things that we see that is inescapable when you look at Second Timothy, Paul is writing as a spiritual father to Timothy. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you can trust that what I'm giving you is credible. And I want to be able to stand in front of you in all humility and with fear and trembling and to say to you, the leaders at this church endeavor to live our lives before God in such a way that you can trust that what we're going to break when we break the word of God and give it to you is something that you can hold and treasure and that you can take to God and say, Lord, I want to be the kind of person that follows that lead. That's the call of the Christian life. Paul says elsewhere, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And the way that we can look at people in the face and say, imitate me, is to walk closely with God in surrendered humility, in community, so that we say, I'm receiving intentionally and I'm giving it away intentionally. And I just want to say to you, that is not just the call for a select few Christians. That's the call for every follower of God. Receive and give. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we receiving do we receive from the Holy Scripture? Do we sit in the narrative of the Bible? Do we do those things that give us input? Or do we just kind of pick and choose a little bit of a buffet religion? And I just want to say to you, if you're in buffet land, picking and choosing, I just want to say to you that you're in a place of vulnerability and you may not even recognize how vulnerable that is. Because if you're doing all the picking and choosing, that makes you the master and the arbiter of truth. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand in that place. So I have to let the Bible do things to me. I have to let Christians in community and people in authority in my life actually shape me and mold me and bend me. And we're going to say more about that in a minute. So Paul here at the very beginning says, be strong. And the way that you grow in strength is to intentionally receive and then intentionally give it away. So who you're receiving from? And who do you have in your life that you feel responsible for? Someone that you feel like you need to give away. Someone that maybe you're a half step further down the road. Doesn't mean you have it all figured out. Just means you know you have a responsibility to her or to him. And the second thing Paul says here is that suffering reveals what's going on inside of us. Suffering is a kind of indicator. It, it tells us how we're actually doing. He says to endure suffering. And then he uses three images to help us understand what he means. And, and we're just going to name them. We don't have a lot of time to sit with them. He speaks of a soldier, 
Uh, he speaks of an athlete and he speaks of a farmer. So these three um, are, are examples. And, and what Paul is trying to get us to see is this. Um, soldiers endure suffering because they're under orders. Athletes endure suffering because they want to increase their capacity. And farmers bury things that crack open, that suffer, seeds suffer so that they can bear fruit. And so what Paul is trying to get us to see is that if we want to be strong in the grace of God, we've got to be under orders. We've got to endeavor to live our lives in such a way that we increase our capacity and we have to be willing to see the good things inside of us crack, break, and seemingly die so that life can come out of those things. And if you live your whole life in a place of self-preservation, keeping obligation and pain at arm's length, we will miss the gift of being broken open and seeing something new emerging out of us. Paul doesn't waste his metaphors. And this is the where Paul says, go back and sit with this and think about it. And so I just want to say to you, there's more here than I can say to you, but I would encourage you to sit with the metaphor of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, and try to hear what the Holy Spirit would be saying to you. Maybe you have been keeping obedience at arm's length. Maybe you've avoided the pain of spiritual discipline and your capacity is withered, not increasing, like an athlete. Athletes go into intentional pain to build their stamina and their, their capacity. Maybe you've avoided that. And maybe you've been afraid of seeing some things be buried and seemingly lost and crack open. And because of that, life is not emerging. Paul's giving us metaphors here that I think are really worth us sitting with. And that leads to the third big idea in this passage, and it's this. There is a real gift that comes to us when we finally surrender. I consider surrender and submission almost like relenting. It's like letting go. And for a personality like mine, this is the hardest thing. If you're into the Enneagram, I'm, a, I'm an, an eight. I'm a challenger on the Enneagram. And challengers don't love to surrender. We don't like to surrender, su- submit and to relent. And what Paul here is saying about the word of God is something that he's really saying about the Christian life. He's saying we have to learn to stand under the authority of God, the authority of the word, and the authority that comes to us in Christian community. One of the reasons why I read the Bible every single day, almost without fail, is because I don't believe in my own natural self that I should be under authority, that I should increase my capacity, and that God wants to crack things open in me so that new life would emerge. I believe that I need to protect myself. I believe that I need to keep um, pain at arm's length. And one of the reasons why I read the Bible every day is because the Bible, this strange and foreign and ancient book, calls me to remember these things. And because I forget, I have to come under God's word every single day. I have to quiet myself in prayer. I have to submit to authority in my life. I have to relent and relinquish and lay down my weapons, so to speak. And the Bible is how we learn how to do that because the Bible calls us to do that over and over and over and over again. Even what we read today earlier in our church service, full of metaphor about how to press through, how to learn how to let go so that we can be the kinds of people who lead 
and live into freedom. There is a gift in you learning how to surrender control of your life. And I would say that increasingly, it is rare for us to surrender or submit to anyone or anything. We become like perpetual free agents. We're always renegotiating our contracts. We're always saying, I'm going to hold that obligation or that thing that makes me feel a little uneasy at arm's length because we don't like to feel like we're being put on the spot. In my own life, I found this gift in surrender. A gift in being willing and able to surrender to my bishop, Todd Hunter. I, I pledge every year what we call in the Anglican world canonical obedience to him in all things right and lawful. So if you ask me to rob a liquor store, I don't have to do that. But in all the other godly stuff, Todd, Todd gets to win. I also submit and surrender to my friends in Christian community. I also surrender and sur- submit and relent to my wife. We walk in mutual submission to one another. Because God wants me to be the kind of person who learns how to let go. And I would just ask you this question. Are you in a space in your life where you know how to let go? If you're confronted with something that you don't like, what do you do? Many of us live our lives trying to hide from, run from, pain. Pain can be a real teacher. David Brooks, New York Times columnist, he just wrote, wrote a beautiful book called The Second Mountain. He says that suffering and pain carve out deep places inside of us. Dostoevsky, one of my favorite authors, said once famously, I'd long to be a man who is worthy of my own suffering. The hurts in your life might be an invitation for you to receive something from God that makes you a free person. But if we keep that at arm's length, if we hide from and self-medicate from pain, if we don't know what to do with the disappointments of life, we oftentimes miss the opportunity to surrender to grow. Next, Paul says this, remember Jesus. And this is why our, our, our conversation today in this passage is all about the Bible. Because when Paul says, remember Jesus, he's essentially saying not just a feeling, a warm, fuzzy feeling of Jesus. He's like, re- actually remember Jesus. Like, remember this that's been told to you, the gospels, the rest of the New Testament. And then he says, cleverly, descended from David, which says, know where Jesus comes from. The Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the wisdom literature. Paul here is exhorting Timothy, and I believe the Holy Spirit exhorting you and me to know the story that we're a part of. To anchor it not just in a feeling that happens to us when we gather together for church, but to, to, to orient our understanding under this macro story that is so much bigger than us. And frankly, a story that's hard to wrap our head around. It's one of the reasons why I come to the Bible every day, because it confounds me, confuses me, confronts me. I find myself bumping up against it all the time. Rather than hiding from that, I'm learning and continuing to learn how to surrender and submit to it. 
We're meant to be the kinds of Christians who surrender our lives to this big story. So what's the story? Let's clear the deck and we'll put up what Paul says the story looks like. And this is Paul. This is, these are Paul's words. Number one, this is the story that he says is sure and true. Number one, if we're not afraid to die, we will truly live. Let go. Learn to trust. Learn to be buried and hidden and cracked open. Some of you in this room feel like you're in a season in life where you feel obscured, you feel hidden, maybe even buried. And you wonder whether you've been forgotten. For a seed to break open and germinate and for new life to come, it must be hidden, it must be buried, it must go through a death. And we hide from death, we push away from it, we refrain from it because it scares us. And yet Paul is saying to this young man, God is saying to you and me, remember Jesus. He didn't run from suffering. He didn't avoid suffering. He walked right into it and let death have its way, knowing that life would live on the other side of death. Where you are right now is not the end of your story. The pain and the darkness of your life, even at the hands of unjust people and systems, does not and will not Determine your future trajectory. If we die, we will live. If we open up ourselves, rejecting self-preservation, trusting God, there's a new life that can emerge in us and around us. And there are mysteries involved in this. I won't claim to resolve those tensions for you in this space. I'm only repeating what our brother Paul would say. And I think it's worthy of our consideration. This is why I read the Bible every day. I need to be reminded that it's okay for me to let go of my rights. It's okay for me to trust God enough to open up my hands and not try to control the contents of my life. I forget that every single day. So I have to come to the Bible to allow it to confront me. Jesus has to teach me. I have to, in the words of Paul, remember Jesus. And I would just say to you today, are you in a place in your life to where you need to remember Jesus? Are you in a conflict in a marriage or a friendship or at work? Or are you getting worked up already? We've got two years before this presidential thing comes at us. Are you already finding your blood boiling? Remember Jesus. The Lord wants us to be the kinds of people who open our hands rather than close them. And if you're angry all the time, I would submit to you that you need to remember Jesus. He lived like this and he trusted that the pain that he was facing was not the end of his story. And this is how we face uncertainty, but we won't do it if we don't remember Jesus. The second thing that Paul says is if we endure, we will reign. So I just got back from England and we spent a day at Oxford and it was, it was like, I wrote my wife, I texted her and said, I've died and gone to England. I, I was so happy. Uh, as a history nerd and um, a, an Anglican, I, I just was in such a happy place. And we're in Oxford and there's a spot in the middle of the street uh, on one of the high streets in Oxford where there's a cross in the middle of a paved road and it's where Thomas Cramner and Latimer and Ridley were all burned at the stake, three of my heroes theologically. And I love this idea of enduring because enduring means you're going to fall forward sometimes. And Thomas Cramner, who wrote the Book of Common Prayer and uh, is, is one of my favorite Christians of all time, he failed at the very end of his life, very similarly to Peter. 
He had done all this beautiful work and then at the end, under the threat of death, he, he recanted all of his work and he basically said it was all a mistake. And he, he bent his knee back to the Catholic Church and uh, they decided to kill him anyway. So it was like he threw his whole life's work down the, down the drain and they said, we're going to kill you anyway. And he spent some time in jail and they took him out to hold trial uh, to condemn him to death. And in the trial, he asked if he could speak. And when he spoke, he recanted his recantation. And he said, I made a terrible mistake. And here and now I place my faith and my trust in God. And I say that salvation comes by faith alone. And they dragged him out of the church in Oxford to the fire. And when he got to the fire, it's widely attested that he reached out his right hand and he said, the hand that offendeth will burn first. And he burned his hand to the stub that had signed the recantation. And then the fire took his body. Ridley and Latimer, two men who died just a few months before him, when they were burned at the stake, they stood next to one another and one said to the other, play the man, for today we will strike a match that will start a fire that will burn and start revival. If you endure, you may find yourself in a really dark place, but if you endure, you will not just get by, but Jesus says you will reign with him. Do you have a vision for where your story could be headed? Where you are today is not as descriptive of where you can go. That's something God speaks over us. And I believe the word to us is to move forward when we're in places of ambiguity and uncertainty. If we endure, we will reign. Thirdly, Paul says, you are a person of consequence. Consequently, your choices matter. Jesus says this very powerful thing. Um, Paul says this very powerful thing. If we deny Jesus, he will deny us. And that's not Jesus being mean. What the Lord is speaking here through our brother Paul is of the essential ingredient of any kind of relationship, that it's a two-way street. Your openness or not openness to God will determine your experience of God. Period. The Lord wants you and me to be the kinds of people who recognize that our lives matter. But lest we be afraid, Paul then quotes this. The next sentence is this. You and me, we twist and turn. But God remains faithful and true. And you may feel like today you're in one of those bends in the road where you can't see where your story's headed. Well, if you're still breathing, there's a way forward for you and me. God remains faithful even though I'm doing this all the time. And life does this. It bends and it seems to come back on itself. And the Lord wants you to know that there's a way forward. That God is faithful. Thomas Cramner for me and Peter are the patron saints of it ain't over yet. And maybe you need to be reminded that it ain't over yet. That wherever it is that you are, even if you've made a mess of things, if you're sitting here and you're breathing and you're hoping God to God for impossible things, if you're saying, God, is it true that there's no story that you can't redeem? Could that be true for me? If you're asking that question, I just want to say to you, it's not too late. The Lord can move, but you need his help. You can't do this on your own. So this is how he ends it. He says, remind yourself of what's ultimately true. 
and then remind other people. And I just want to say to you, those four things above remind yourself. You have to remember every single day that these things are true because your fallen nature will live like they're not true. And many of us have made a mess of our lives because we've lived as if these things are not true. We've lived as if self-preservation was what was ultimately true. Protect your own interests because no one else will. And Paul here at the very end says maybe the truest thing that you can say. He's saying immerse yourself in ultimate things, not temporal things. And if you immerse yourself and build your life on temporal things, then your life will erode around your feet. But if you immerse yourself in what is fundamentally and ultimately true, you'll have a place to stand when all hell breaks loose. And I'm going to tell you, all hell will break loose. It's just the way it works in a broken and fallen world. I forget. So do you. My life's work as a Christian, is to remember what's true and then tell you. And I would submit to you that your life's work as a Christian is to remember what's true, what is ultimate, and then tell the people around you. This doesn't work without you listening and speaking. This is what it's called to be the family of God. So let us do it, even if we have to take some very small baby steps. Amen? Amen. If you're able, let's stand together. Thanks so much for listening to the sermon today. My name is Chris McDaniel. I am the pastor here on the west side at Trinity in Atlanta. At Trinity, our mission is to be a people who are growing into Christ's likeness. And if you want to find out more information about Trinity or get connected to the life of the church, please visit us at atltrinity.org. Thanks. God bless.